Wait a second. Debbie did her hair and put her hat on? Yeah. <laughs> God. I think we should do one show just around Debbie. All right. Three, Three two, two, one. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Welcome to the party, pal! Welcome to yippee Mother Podcast Classic. I'm Ralph Quattrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Deborah Murphy. You know me. I'm John Quattrucci. I'm Chris Coker. No comment. I guess you, you, you're not using your name anymore. And it must be hard to come up with a new one every this time. Is, you get a whole week. calling him Uncle Drew. Whole week. The best you got is no comment? That's from the movie. I, I barely remember anything from this that's film. A, but, that's okay. a reference to the, to the movie. We have another film school classic, everybody, today. But before we do that, uh, let's do a little round of what you watch. Let's start with Debbie and Sean. We watched on Turner Classic Movies. The Enchanted Cottage. <laughs> Robert oh, Young? Gosh. Is that That's Robert Young? Yes. What's that, John? Is Rob- that Robert Young? Yes, Robert Young <laughs> and Rita Hayward. <laughs> and Susan Hayward. No. It, what was her name? I forgot. All right. Is it a sad movie? Why are you crying? Oh, my God. It's, it was a beautiful It's movie. one of the great tearjerkers. The Enchanted I mean, Cottage. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. about this, like, that who's like disfigured a bit during the war and he marries a homely uh girl and he feels he can't he marries her because she's ugly and she accepts him and she's and he's she's ugly and he accepts her and they think it's the magic of the cottage that makes them think they're beautiful to each other but truly it was the love that they they had for each other Are they actually, is Robert Young ugly? I don't consider him. Well, they, they make him scarred, but when they go into this cottage, they become beautiful. Both of they them. Go, they go to soft focus. Yes. <laughs> what year What year is this film? Um, it was after World War II. Okay. But um, there's a lot of years after World well, that's, War II. Well, uh, yeah, that's, there's Did more. narrow it down a little? It was like uh, 50, 56. I don't think it was that okay. okay. That is after uh, World Are you War II, recommending right? this film? Or are you... Yes. Oh, oh my okay. gosh! I would love Ralph, to remake it. I think you would die watching. You know what? Yeah, no. You guys are going to pay for all these films. Ralph, movies Ralph absolutely would not like that movie. <laughs> going to pay oh, dearly. Was it was. What so kind sweet. of acting is that? Debbie, I think, cried for the last forty minutes. Oh, it was just beautiful. It's a. It's it's truly a. You know, when two people and you know you're you're uh, one week into your marriage, right? A whole week, I know. It's it feels it feels a lot longer, but yeah. yeah. But collectively, he's been married a long time. I mean, you gotta okay. Put we, him okay, off. stop with the multiple marriages. Number one. Okay? Uh, no, just, I wasn't. I wasn't zero. talking about multiple marriages. Talking yes. about multiple years. Maybe I've been married a full week. Actually, a week and a couple days. <laughs> Isn't it so exciting? One week. What's your report? Happy anniversary. Well, we're not living together, so that helps a ton. Oh yeah. Well, you should be uh, doing great. You yeah, should find this so little cottage. Oh, I don't. I don't think we need a cottage, do we? Do I need a little yeah. cottage that no. makes me beautiful when I walk in there? Okay. No, no you're beautiful the way you are, Ralph. That's what I think. It's the way you are, Ralph. Okay. Yeah. And Maria just, just keep wearing a hat. She's she doesn't need any cottage. She she's fine. No, but it's and, it's what the what's on the inside that makes a marriage. It's like and shallow house. It sounds like shallow house. Inside. What'd you say, Ralph? It sounds like the movie Shallow House. Actually, Same. Shallow House was a remake of this. You're absolutely right. <laughs> That's what it was it a remake like. of the Enchanted Village. Right. The Chanted Cottage. No, it wasn't. Same idea, though, that people are, you know, you, how you how you view people 
how the insides, how their insides are, is how they, how you see them. Oh, that's. If you want to see the the way an inside looks, the first episode of The Boys this season has a tiny little man go right inside of a penis, and then everything that's inside the rest of the body is suddenly visible when it come when he comes yeah, out. Boys so is you getting can pretty really graphic. get a sense of it. Your boys getting graphic. Uh, all right, Sean, did you watch something? Is that? Now, that, I'll tell you what. Are we going uh, one square, one film are, now? What are what we were watching was longer than the actual movie we were discussed last week. So, <laughs> I'll 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 forego it. I was crying with Debbie. Oh, okay. It's a tearjerker, huh? Yes. All it's right, a- uh, Drew. What'd you watch? So uh, I'm going to talk about three things. One of oh, which we've I already said, talked I about. I said I wanted to pick this up. What? What is? <laughs> I finally got to go to the movie theater Just ignore again. Me. Whoa, what? Ignore, ignore who? And I saw um, Top Gun Maverick. Okay. And I had an absolute blast. Yeah. If you stop for ten or less seconds to think about the reality of air combat or how old you can be and be a pilot or any of that stuff. Or his beautiful girlfriend who works the bar and is still hot as hell. Well, I mean, it was nice seeing a movie where the romantic leads were in their fifties. Age appropriate. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. yeah. She is age appropriate. I think. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, I, I spent as much time reading about how they got the footage in the jets as I did watching the movie. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's just fascinating. And the way that they, combined practical and CG in ways that you don't even really think about. Right. Like I can tell you obviously an explosion of a missile next to a real jet was CGI, but it, it feels real. And the uh, enemy jets from, I mean, I, I guess it's Iran, maybe it's Russia, but the enemy fifth generation jets, those are actually Sukhoi 57 Russian stealth fighters. <laughs> but the way I didn't realize the way that they shot them was they did more footage with the F 18s and then they skinned them. Uh, with CGI, so they look like that. So even those jets are actually moving like real jets, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, it's the shot that Ed Harris does where that jet flies over his head. Yep. That was not CGI. Right. No, that was another F-A-18, and they skinned the Dark Star over it. But he so did that. that. Was, he stood there when that Yeah, happened. and it ruined that building. It blew it up. Yeah, they yeah, only for did real. They didn't expect that yeah. to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a fun movie. Did you, now, did you go back and watch the first one again? I did actually watch it. Um <laughs> I guess a couple months ago at this point, because Kelly had never seen it. And so we watched it and we were like, it's not good, but I get <laughs> why bad it is. I get why uh, it was a hit. Yeah. And I didn't have super high expectations of the sequel until the reviews started coming out. And then some of you guys saw it. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to see it, I want to see it in the theater. And I'm glad that I did. It was a lot of fun. Did you see an IMAX? No, it's... um. It's not playing in IMAX around here except at night. And I prefer to go to the movies at like 9, 10, 11 in the morning. So I'm really? away from the riffraff and, yeah, um, that one. and I have the rest of the day. So we went at like, like 1040 or something wow. with a nice, one of the really the nicest theater in the area. So it was definitely worth, definitely worth seeing. And it was a lot of fun. Um, that was your first time back. No, we saw the Nicolas Cage movie. Um, Gosh, maybe two months ago now. But I mean, you know, I watched trailers and it was fun to watch trailers and think, oh, I might actually go see that in the theater because I am very much looking forward to stuff like Mission Impossible. And um, that's 2023. So hopefully I'll be able to go back to the theater regularly by then. Yeah. So, yeah, that was good. Then the second thing I want to recommend, it's in this it's in its third season and you should start from the beginning. But um, I don't know if any of you have watched Evil. It was a CBS show that's now on Paramount Plus. It's by Robert King and Michelle King, who did The Good Wife and The Good Fight and Brain Dead. And it looks it's, good. It's so, it's just so cool and it's so smart and it's funny. And 
especially this newest episode, is actually really scary. So I was very impressed. So you should check out Evil. But the other thing I want to talk about, some of you guys don't have library cards, so you might not know what this is. It's called a book. And it's a book, and it's called Run Towards the Danger. And it's by Sarah Polly. It's a series of essays. Sarah Polly's a actress, writer, director. She's been acting since she was a kid. And so the book is a bunch of essays that she has written or partly written over many years and never been brave enough to publish. So it's a lot about just her life, but also growing up in the industry. I mean, she was the basically the lead in Terry Gilliam's Adventures of Baron Munchausen when she was nine. And that was an unbelievably crazy shoot. And, and so she just, she's very honest and it's, she's very smart and she talks about the very personal stuff, what it's like to grow up in the business. And like, I would recommend it to anybody, but if you love movies, there's a lot of really interesting inside stuff about what it was like to be on the sets of some of these specific movies, but then also the industry in general for, for children, especially. She's now, also, is she brown bunny up family? Cause I think it was like she did like a documentary or something. Yeah. What, what she did, she's done a couple of movies that are just amazing. And one of them is called stories. We tell that's about 10 years old now. And, um, she discovered that she is actually her father's not her father and that she was the product of an extramarital affair. Uh, her mother died when she was 11. That's a big part of the book, of course, of cancer. And, uh, her father's basically, I think his response was, um, I'm going to be your best friend. I don't want to be a dad. I'll be your best friend. And that's pretty permissive for, you know, having an 11, 12 year old kid. So, uh, that movie is, um, it's really fascinating because it's about her family, but it's also about the fictions that we tell ourselves. And she's done, she's just done amazing, amazing stuff. And then she hasn't made anything in a while because she got a concussion in 2015 and lost about three and a half years of her life. And that is a really fascinating part of the book as well. So who is, I recommend what's, it. What's, uh, is she Brown Bunny? Is that no, that's one? Chloe Sevigny. Uh, if you've seen the, uh, the Dawn Go- of the Dead remake that yeah, Zack Snyder Sarah did. Sarah Paul. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Sarah Paul. She was in Existence too, right? Yeah, that's she's in Existence. Yeah. She's okay. in Exotica. She's in the Go. Sweet she's Hereafter. in Go. She's great in Go. Okay, that's the one. I mean, huh? she's a leading Canadian lady of film and television, but she's had, you know, she got Oscar nominated for, um, I think for the script from away from her. And she's just done a lot of really wonderful stuff. Yeah, the press really, is about the, you're talking about that shoot she did with Terry Gilliam. That's the mm-hmm. press I've read about that she, she said there was some, crazy stuff that went on that set well it's cool because she talks about the crazy stuff that she remembers but she also talks about what do i actually remember and how close was it to reality and she talks to people that worked with her on that shoot 25 30 years ago including eric idol and terry gilliam Mm. and uh it's funny the acknowledgments of the book are just a list of almost everyone in the book and how helpful and supportive they were and reading reading stuff and being honest and it's uh, it's really good it's not very long and you can read the essays in you know basically any order you want. So Run nice. Toward the Danger by Sarah Polly. I finished that this weekend. It's very good. How literary you are. This is amazing. Books. Well, it's still a book about movies, so it's yeah, okay. Still. Chris, what do you got? Um, I've been watching. I just started the Netflix series uh, called Lupin. It's a mm. French TV show. It's fun. Uh, it's based – well, based is the wrong word, but um, – Back in the turn of the century, uh, 19th to 20th century, um, a guy, uh, a French writer named uh, LeBlanc, Maurice LeBlanc, wrote a series of stories, some novels, about a gentleman thief named Arsène Lupin. And this is, it's not an update or an adaptation. It's a story about a guy um, whose father 
is possibly framed for stealing this necklace by some very, very wealthy people. He was the, you know, he was the chauffeur slash butler type character. Um, and he was, uh, so, you know, he was guilted into committing suicide. Maybe we don't know. And basically it's about how this son, um, uses the character of Lupin, uh, as inspiration to seek revenge on the people who did this to his father and by extension himself. Um, and it's really, really good. Um, I've only watched this. Um, there's two, it's only 10 episodes so far. I've only watched the first five. That's series one. There's a series two, a series three is on the way according to, you know, the little, the blurb in Netflix, but I really recommend it. It's, um, and even if you don't want to read subtitles, um, there is an English dub that's actually halfway decent. I watched some of it with the English dub. Um, I ended up going back to the subtitles because I, I didn't realize there was a dub. So I watched the French. Uh, and once you kind of get their voices in your head to then watch. Oh, yeah. You don't want to hear the American voice. Yeah. Even though it's in English and the others in French, yeah. the voices are different. And so I just went back to the French. Um, but, uh, but I would recommend it. It's like I said, it's only. The episodes are less than an hour for the most part, I think. And uh, the first series is five. It ends on a cliffhanger. So I haven't started series six yet, or I'm sorry, the second part of it, but it's called Lupin and it's, uh, it's really, really good. Um, funny side note. Um, there's actually a Japanese uh, anime and manga called Lupin the third, which is supposedly he's the grandson of Arsene Lupin, the gentleman thief. And uh, it's kind of this wacky, uh, slapsticky kind of, uh, cartoon about a thief, um, who's, who's kind of crazy. Anyway, um, it's, it's pretty good. I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Wow. Look at these. A lot of fun. Look at these picks. John. Well, I do, uh, I did what I do historically every July 4th weekend. I watch two movies. I watch 1972, 1776, the musical about the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Absolutely love it. And then I, I topped it off with Yankee Doodle Dandy starring Jimmy Cagney, which is my favorite Jimmy Cagney movie as an old song and dance man myself. Uh, just, uh, two movies that make you proud to be American and the founding of the country and, you know, George M. Cohan and just love those two movies. And that's my uh, tradition every july 4th weekend so i did it again and it did not disappoint either one are you gonna add hamilton no i have not even seen hamilton oh it's worth your it's worth your time it's on disney plus it's fabulous yeah i have disney plus maybe i'll Um, check it out do you make rose i'm sorry does rose watch those with you um, I don't make her. Sometimes she watches them. Sometimes she doesn't. Cause I, I, I you know, I watched like Yankee Doodle Dandy every time it's on, I watch it. So she's seen it a lot. It. John, we watched it too. Did you? I just love it. I just love, he's so good in it. Yeah. He's so great in that movie. Dancing is stellar. Yeah. Yeah. And Cohan loved him, thought he was the only one that could do it. So anyway, that's it, Ralph. I don't want to take up too much time because I know you probably got a lot. Quit. Yeah, I got one. Uh, this is my new uh, July 4th tradition. I watched a horror movie on Prime TV, Prime uh, video called X, directed Ooh. by Ty West. Has anyone seen X? X? I've not heard, heard of Ty West. I'm looking forward to You're seeing it. You're going to love it. There's a little female Good. nudity and a lot of male frontal nudity. You're going to light up your alley. Uh, it's a throwback. It's, a, it's, a, it's an homage film to like uh, Texas Chainsaw and Motel Hell. It's about a group from Houston that own a, this guy owns a strip club and they decide to make a porno, uh, in the vein of like a VHS porno. They're doing a home the vein? In, independent film. <laughs> in the vein, in the vein of 
uh, they, they get this young kid to do an independent film. He's going to do an art film. So they, they rent out a uh, boarding house behind this old farmhouse, and they're doing a porn called The Farmer's Daughters. And, uh, it, there's an old couple that works in the, in the, uh, house and it just, it's just chaos ensues. Um, and if you've seen Motel Hell and if you've seen all these other ones, you know, it's going to happen. They shot it like it's in the seventies. It takes place in 1979. So the aesthetic is there. Um, it's a gore fest, but not over, over the top. I mean, it does some pretty bloody things, but it, uh, it handles it pretty well. The acting is fantastic. They got this. I've, I have never seen Maya Goth. But she's playing both a young woman uh, and the old lady who's the one that's causing all the trouble. And they're actually making a prequel based on her character, the old lady's character, when she's younger. And Maya Goth is going to play that part as well. Is and, it called W? No, uh, Pearl is going to be the the. I get it. X Y W. Okay, you're too quick for me. I can't. I can't keep up. Jenna oh, wow. Ortega, Brittany oh, wow. Snow from from Pitch Perfect. Plays, plays this Marilyn Monroe porn star girl. And, you know, it flips a couple of the things, you know, the people who have sex get killed. That isn't what happens always in this one. And the people who don't have sex don't get killed. That isn't what happens in this one. There's crocodiles. There's shotguns. There's the creepiest part is watching two old people have sex. This 90 year old couple. It's like the oogliest, but it's great. It's a great throwback and, uh, it's a lot of fun. And I can't just thinking about it. I can't. I can't, can't wait, wait to, for next July 4th. I can't wait for next July 4th. Go I can't wait for the prequel called Pearl yeah. with this. My goth is going to play that part as well. So I'm, looking awesome. forward to that. I'm really hit and miss on Ty West. I, I've never that. heard of him, but there's an earlier one that's just like this. That was that in the seventies. And it had so much. It's about this people going to babysit at a house and they're going to be ultimately they're going to be sacrificed. It was incredibly slow moving. But it yes. had the 70s dynamic down, the way it was shot, the location. I literally had to keep checking to make sure it was a modern film because it felt so much like a 70s film. Are you talking about The House of the Devil? House of the Devil, yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, very was- slow, but it's it's good atmosphere. I've never seen it. I don't think I've ever seen a Ty West film. I might check them out now because I he like had another one, one like had like a Jonestown one. Yeah, yeah that's Sacrament. Yeah, the Sacrament. This one is just fun. He really nails the seventies aesthetic and, uh, and, and you can tell he loves those other films because it, uh, you know, the, the homage is everywhere to it. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, it's gory. There is some frontal nudity, both male and female. So John's out, I know, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, it's fun. John likes so. it as long as it's tasteful. As long as it moves the story along, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll say yeah. this: it or definitely it moves good. the story along. So. You're really into you're, you're watching a lot of stuff with frontal nudity, Ruff. That's pretty cool. I just so happen I'm lucking out. Oh, I, I don't know what it is. Curious. I'm I get it. Out. That's cool. It's fantastic. All right. Speaking of frontal nudity, let's uh, do the film you brought. Oh, what a, what well, a, Spencer Tracy's in this one. So what I an intro, Ralph. <laughs> What's the film that you brought to Yippie Cow? Well, okay. So it's funny because you're talking. Well, that's so funny because uh the first time I watched this film was in college and I took a film class. That you did. And we watched it. And I wasn't a I really like Spencer Tracy, but I can't say I was a huge Spencer Tracy fan back then. Now I've come to appreciate him a lot more, and he's a lead in this. It's called Bad Day at Black Rock, nineteen fifty five, directed by John Sturgis.
you know, I always thought of this as a contemporary Western, but after listening to John Sturge's commentary, he absolutely disagrees with that framing of it. It was also it was supposed to be about the McCarthyism, and he completely denied that. He, too, he said that had nothing to do with it. That was not in the back of our mind at all. It's a really, I find this, I, I really found this movie really interesting for a couple of reasons. Because uh, it starts off, you see the train coming in, and it ends up, and that scene, by the way, uh, wasn't in the original movie. Uh, the movie started with him. Uh, just entering the town and everyone wondering who he was. And some agent saw the preview and talked to Sturgis and said, it's confusing the way you're starting this movie. A good thing would be to get the train. And he mentioned the train. Well, Sturgis was already in another project, so someone else filmed it. So that's how it starts. And then uh, Spencer Tracy plays John McCready, a World War II vet who comes to this town, which is, uh, you know, there's like seven buildings. And there's about 15 people in the entire town. And through the course of the movie, the tension just builds and builds and builds. He's there because um, a young um, Japanese uh, comrade saved his life and also got a medal. I don't know. I don't even know if they said what the medal was. No, we don't find that out till about an hour and a half into the film, even though so the film's he, only an hour and 20. He wants to find Komoko, <laughs> the soldier's father, to give him the medal. He's also, uh, he's got, uh, he's crippled. He's got one arm that doesn't work. It's in his pocket the whole time. And as soon as he gets into town, um, everyone's curious about him. And you can tell something's up because they're all being evasive. They're trying to get him out of town. And the movie is a slow build to what happened to Komoko. What are they all covering up? And it really is a little bit, it does have a bit of a high noon uh, flavor to it because he's, he's all in black, which normally would be the villain. But in this, he's the hero. And the town really are the villains. And, and Robert Ryan is just like the best villain. He's such a good character in this. And their scenes together are so good. It's got a great script. Um, Spencer Tracy, you know, the thing about Spencer Tracy, he very rarely did movies where he overacted. There, there were a few, obviously, like, um, Captain's Courageous and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But everything else, he's very understated. And there was one scene, I watched an interview with Ernest Borgnine. The first scene with him and Robert Ryan, when, when they're at the gas pump and Spencer Tracy's sitting down and he's looking down on the ground. He never really looked Robert Ryan in the face. And Ernest Borgnine was telling that story. He goes, you know, we're looking at it. With a, and he always called him Mr. Tracy. He never called him Spencer because Borgnine respected him so much. He said he watched the scene and he couldn't understand why Tracy wasn't looking up. And he thought he was really underselling himself. And that, if you remember that scene, Robert Ryan did most of the talking. It was pretty powerful. But they said when they looked back at the dailies, they saw exactly what Tracy was doing. He was stealing the scene from Robert Ryan and Robert Ryan felt like he had a, he had to do more. So the camera would just go to him because that's the way Tracy acted. Sturgis said he didn't have to give him any, um, any directing. He knew what he had to do. The only thing that I was surprised about as I was doing research was he was in his early 50s in this movie. 55. And he looked a lot older than that. And part of the reason is uh, he was, uh, you know, he was a pretty raging alcoholic. Now, he didn't drink when he worked, but he, 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 he had a really rough time from drinking. So to see him that age was kind of interesting. But anyway, so as the movie progresses, there's a build, build, build. And they keep, they keep needling him. Lee Marvin, Ernest Borgen, and the cast is great. Walter Brennan, Dean Jagger, and Francis. But they keep needling him to get a reaction. And you're, you're waiting for him as an audience member to do something. Just do something. Don't let him get away with this. And then that scene in the, in the diner where he's having his chili. 
where finally he erupts in an unexpected way. And, you know, you're really rooting for him. And they're all looking at him in a completely different look. But but it's all about getting him out of town before they kill him. And the thing that Sturgis said in the in the commentary was this the entire theme of this movie is about isolation. That's why the town was sparse. That's why there was there was he couldn't get help anywhere. And that was the tension of the movie. No matter what he did, he couldn't call the cops because, you know, Robert Ryan owned the town. So it's a build, 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 how they're going to get him out of there. And for me, the conclusion where she sets him up and, and you know, he knows that Robert Ryan's going to kill Anne Francis. And that whole ending, which they really shot at night, you know, Sturgis was talking about, they did a lot of day for night, but that scene was at night and they had to have so many lights just so you could see what they could see. I just, I, I love this movie. Uh, I, I really appreciate his performance. And you realize why he said, and, and, oh, a, a final note. So Walter Brennan and him were on opposite, opposite sides of the political spectrum. And they used to get in fights all the time. Well, at that time, Spencer Tracy had won three Academy Awards. Walter Brennan had won four. So Walter Brennan, before they would shoot a scene, every time to get under his goat, he'd go like this. They must have Hold up for it. It used to drive Spencer Tracy crazy. Mm. And then after the movie came out and it did really well, Spencer Tracy was nominated for an Oscar and lost to Ernest Borgnine for Marty. So, <laughs> it, yeah. So it's, it's really – and, and – uh, and Spencer Tracy sent Ernest Borgnine a note, uh, congratulations, and he never heard back from Ernest Borgnine. So one day they were at uh, they were on the studio, and Spencer Tracy said, "You know, I sent you a note. You never responded. I, you know, I didn't think that was nice." Well, Catherine Hepburn sticks her head out the window and says, "He won the Oscar. He can do what he wants." <laughs> and they laughed. They had a good laugh, and everything was fine. But it's just a it's a slow burn. I mean, there's not a lot of action in this movie. It's a slow burn, but the tension builds and builds and builds. And uh, it's just a movie I really enjoyed. I like the setting of it. I, I like the way he shot it. And, you know, Chris Chris told him about the commentary on the Criterion Collection. So I watched it, and it was really interesting because normally on these commentaries, they tell you a lot of anecdotes about the actors. Sturges really talked about how he frames a shot, why he chose this shot over something else. It was just, I find it really, really interesting. Uh, and he talks through the whole thing. I mean, the whole movie, and it's just him. So if you get a chance and you have Criterion, watch the commentary. But I'm curious. Or uh, somebody Sean, pays for your Criterion? Sean and Debbie, did, <laughs> have you seen, yeah, I, I, Sean, I'm sure you've seen this movie before. Well, Sean. I tell you, in all honesty, I've never seen it. And it's how a- about you, Debbie? No, never did. But so I none of you have seen this movie before. No. Okay, now I'm really interested to know what you guys think. I, I know Ralph's probably not going to like it, but well, I'd like to. Well, I mean, I'm excited about this. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I've, I've seen the beginning of this movie. I've never owned it, so so I guess I've always watched it when I had to do something else. But I love this film. Um, it just, from the beginning, since he steps off that train, there's just tremendous tension. You know, everybody wants to know who he is and what he's doing. A big point is this is the first time the train has stopped there in four. Right. So everybody's curious. And Spencer Tracy is a very, in my opinion, very magnetic figure, you know, and he's so understated. I mean, no one can get a rise out of him. No one can get a straight answer out of him. And he, But he's not forceful, but he doesn't take no for an answer. Like when they're trying to – um denying him a room at the hotel right you know he just he's he's very forceful in a very low-key way and everybody is trying to um force him to um force him to act force him to reveal what he's doing 
And it's just tremendous tension throughout. And the tension builds. And it's great because it's a short film. So I think it's only 81 minutes long or something. An hour 20. Something like yeah. That. yeah. So it's a very short film. And there's not a lot of story. It's mainly atmospheric. And I, this, I think it was the first MGM CinemaScope film. And uh, the terrain, you know, that sense of isolation, those mountains, it's beautiful, but really isolated. And this town, it just looks like it's about to collapse. And it was a real place that they shot this. So it was a real. No, they built that whole town. Yeah, no, they built that. That whole town was built. I I thought it was shot. No. no, they had to tear it down when they left. They yeah. built it and tear it down. It's yeah. a, it's but I guess it's a place that they used a lot. Yeah, Gunga Din was filmed there. You know, it's close to Los Angeles. Los Angeles, as he said. Yeah. You know, it is like a small community yeah. collapsing on itself because of guilt and bullying. And um, like the previous film, we had Maltese Falcon. One of the reasons this film works so well is because of the supporting actors. Right. Robert Ryan is a great actor. He's very menacing in this film. And he's somebody people don't know about today, I don't think. But, you know, um, Ernest Borgnine, a lot of people have this upbeat opinion of him because of, like, you know, McHale's Navy. But even in earlier films like this one, he is a real bastard. From well, here to eternity. He a bastard in a lot of early films. From here to eternity. And yeah. even in oh, even that's... in the 70s, Probably his meanest role was Shaq in um, Emperor of the North, or sometimes it's called Emperor oh, yeah. of the North. Oh, a Robert Aldrich film. And I think Sturgis is a is like a manly man's director. Tells male stories like Robert Aldrich. Um, I mean, Sturgis has also done um, Magnificent Seven, one of my favorite Westerns. Great Escape. Gunfight Gun at OK Corral. The Eagle has Land. I mean, he does a lot a male oriented. Marooned. I read, you know, he did Marooned. Which oh, he I, did Marooned. I didn't know that. I yeah. think so. I think that's what I read. You know, the IMDb. I just did what everybody does. But. Yeah. So, um, well, I knew his films. I didn't have to look them up. Lati fucking. But to me, he is always someone who reminded me of like Robert Altrich, who was, uh, did like 30 dozen Emperor of the North Pole. Um, Longest Yard. Um, also, I think um, Flight of the Phoenix. So they're very male oriented, like Sam Peck and Paul too. And um, but he, there's something about Sturgis. He's very economical in time. I mean, if you look at it, Magnificent Sevens, it's like a retelling of um, Seven Samurai. Right. But Seven Samurai was like a three and a half hour movie. Yeah. You know, Magnificent Sevens like ninety minutes. You know, so I mean. So this was, he had to do a lot with a little. And having this great cast and Lee Marvin, I mean, every everybody in this, it was easy, you know, because there's, how many characters were there? There weren't that many. Like it's a very, seven, like Maltese yeah. Falcon, it's a very small cast. Right. And everybody had to be good. That's but right. If they were bad, it was going to be very obvious, especially yeah. with this group of people. And one one character I really was looking at was Walter Brennan. To see him so in a young, you know, in a young Walter Brennan, that that was amazing to see him, you know, as a young guy. But there's one problem I have with that movie. It was full of tension and everything. But the solution would have been for um, Walter Brennan is just to give um, 
him a lift into the other town. <laughs> well, that's what he tried to do. Well, he only had the he only had the uh, the hearse, uh, no, and they disabled uh, it. Uh, the, the girl's car. The Jeep. Well, he wouldn't. Have, the girl wouldn't have given him the car. Right. right. He could have borrowed it for. Like that's a, the one problem you have. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That would have been, you know, uh, Sturgis I mean, said Sturgis said he did about uh, 80% of the movie was first take. Right. So he was able to do it really quickly. Uh, he didn't believe in doing a lot of takes or a lot of coverage either. He said it's not necessary. And with that cast, too, I can't believe you'd have to do a lot of takes. So Spencer Tracy was always, you know, first take because. Well, of second what was his? OK, we're talking about what a great actor he is. He is. What was the acting he did in this film? All he had to do was stare at people while they're doing their lines. He didn't have to react. He didn't have to, you know, he wasn't. That's he was what just, makes him a great actor. He goes, he's a good Other listener. He's a good listener. That. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but you're uh, talking about for story. Chris, what did you, what, uh, Chris, did you, did you, is this the first time you've seen it or have you seen it before? Uh, no, this is the, actually the first time I had started watching it, but unfortunately I couldn't finish it the, the time I was checking it out. And, um, no, I, I had never seen this before. And, uh, this is one of those films that you can't help but wish you had seen in the big screen. Like, I mean, seeing something like this at like yeah. a real big movie theater yeah. with a huge screen, um, you know, and, and referring back to the commentary, he, he talks about it a couple of times and, and how this was one of their first big CinemaScope projects. And he's like, people were saying how like, yeah, but there's nobody in it, you know, right. and he's like, I don't need a hundred dudes and togas, you know, it's right. like, that's the thing that, the, and it does. I mean, and I love that, that feeling because it starts out with that great train sequence and, you know, that is so you know, propulsive, right? It's so the train, I always feel like trains, especially if you do the sound right, just ratchet up the tension and then he gets off. And so you're already kind of in this tense situation and then it just kind of plays out from there. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. And talk it like we've already mentioned, the cast is amazing. Lee Marvin just kind of oozing, I don't know. Lee Marvin is, yeah, no, he's. He's, he's yeah. when he's sitting on his bed, yeah. You know, just kind of he just couldn't seeping. tuck his shirt in. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. the back of well, his that's shirt. That's funny. Like, you know, it's just kind of seeping like this, you know, venom, for right. lack of a better term. And um, everybody in it was great. And, and, you know, it's one of those things I used to say that, you know, if a movie isn't at least 90 minutes long, it's not a real movie. You don't have enough story for 90 minutes. Maybe you need to go back and rework it. Um, now, I know this was a different time because they used to show shorts and cartoons and double and all those things. So back then it was a little bit more. But, man, it is just so tight and it just goes. Um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this from the get go. And as far as like I'm, I'm interested to hear your take, Ralph, because, you know, you had mentioned that the Maltese Falcon felt so stilted to you from an acting standpoint. You know, I felt like everybody in here felt really pretty real. Like Ernest Borgnine is such a jerk and like, and Robert Ryan has this kind of, Hey, I'm the, I'm the reasonable one. I'm going to talk to you like right. a reasonable man to man, but you better realize that you better get out of here. We don't need you around here, you know? And this whole idea that, that the liner, that the, that the train hadn't stopped in four years kind of, you know, hands it over to this idea that, you know, that they, there's a secret. They have a right. secret and it's still even four years later or more uh, that even longer, you know, that it's still a problem, you know, that that's a, the one thing. And maybe I just missed this. I don't, I don't know how long it was from the time that um, Kimoko was killed to the time that Spencer Tracy shows up. 
I wasn't sure if that was weeks. I, or I read years something. Or weeks. No, I read something like this. They killed him during the war, I guess. They killed him right after Pearl Harbor. He went yeah, after Pearl Harbor. Since yeah, Robert right Ryan came back from not being accepted right. into the That's military, right. he That's was right. angry, and then they killed him. Yeah, I don't know right. what year this takes place. How old Spence? Because well, it said forty-five, I think, in the movie. So the war just a few months. Ahead. Yeah, so and, and Spencer Tracy's supposed that, to be a vet of what you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. a, of World War II, pretty old, yeah. Yeah. 50, right? Fifty-five years. I guess my point is that that makes it sense. Then it's been years. Sorry, I didn't put all that. I wasn't. So I don't know that I wasn't putting because I wasn't sure when the movie took place. It was made in 55. So I wasn't sure it felt kind of like 55. But then, you know, she's driving that surplus army. Right. Jeep and I thought Sturgis said it was 47. I think 1947 is what I heard. It had been a while. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, all in all, I, I really, really. And I always, for some reason, I don't know why I've, I've heard of this film before. I always thought it was like a straight Western, like, you know. Gunfight at the OK Corral style Western. When so when I sat down and watched it, and it was a relatively modern film, especially for when it came out, I was a little uh, I was surprised. But um, really, really, doesn't Robert Ryan even have a line about we're not the West, we're not the old West, we're not cowboys? He says something about that we're not the West, we're the modern. We're not the new West. We're not the old West. Right. We're just the West. Right. You know, we don't when we don't want any you know people coming around. Making us something. We're yeah, not. I have a few comments, but I'm going to wait for Drew to, to chime in, and then we'll we can round robin it a little bit. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to to do this every time Spencer Tracy is in a movie we talk about, but I did notice that he came to a town looking for a secret history, and the first thing he did was go to the gas station, and then he was disappointed because it was just a girl there. So I, I did see that. He did go to the gas <laughs> station first. So I wasn't sure if I had seen this or not. And uh, I looked into the film and I realized that I hadn't seen it, but I had seen two things growing up. I saw um, an episode of Knight Rider called uh, Good Day at White Rock, which was uh, a play on that, which is about uh, a town getting threatened by um, a biker gang. So that's kind of a Magnificent Seven setup. And then what I really remembered was uh, Black Day at Bad Rock, which was a season three episode, I believe, of the A-Team. But the reason I remembered that, and also it was about a town fighting um, uh, off a biker gang. So again, the title, but not really the plot. Uh, the reason I remember that one better is because when I was a young man, and I'm sorry, Chris, I couldn't find it. Uh, I read many times the novelization, The A-Team, Volume 2, Small But Deadly Wars. And the second half of that novelization is that episode. So yeah. I thought, okay, that's why I wasn't sure if I've seen it. But then I watched the movie and I was kind of expecting there to be a biker gang. <laughs> so it wasn't that didn't happen. But um, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a very fine film. It's got a lot of people in it that I like. I just I love Ernest Borgnine and I love that he played this terrible schmucky bully the same year that he won for Marty, which is just a, just a wonderful, sweet uh, movie. And he was excellent in both of those roles. I like when. Robert De Niro does Awakenings and Cape Fear in the same short amount of time, and you're just you feel that emotional whiplash because that's how good they are. Uh, and also, I'm a big fan of Walter Brennan. That was the other thing. I wasn't sure if the movie was going to go for a Rio Bravo uh, assault on Precinct 13. Like we got to fortify ourselves because basically everybody in the town, except at the end when there was a huge mob of people that we didn't see before, right. <laughs> uh, they were all either in on it or too cowardly to do anything about it. Uh, until the end. I also did not expect, I thought there'd be a higher body count, frankly. 
because so many people were guilty. But uh, I, I, uh, it's a classic that I had slipped by me, and I'm glad that I watched it because uh, it's. I mean, it's definitely slow for a slow burn thriller compared to some of the things they might do today. But I, I, as I said last week with last week's movie, I have noticed there has not been a straight remake of this film. And there certainly could be. And there's a lot of things you could do with it. And there's certainly a lot of other movies that are influenced by it. But uh, I'm glad I saw well, it's it. A little like, it. Yeah, it's a little like the Clint Eastwood uh, Man Without a Name deal where the, 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 the town's involved in some heinous act mm-hmm. <clears throat> that Clint Eastwood comes I back and cleans up. High Talk about a drifter. manly director. That's right. That's uh. So I mean, at that, I had this vibe. I think what I took away from this film that I had to watch. Uh, and by the way, I enjoyed the commentary, listening to Sturgis talk about the film way more than I enjoyed the film because I just loved the stories he was telling. But it's also a film to me that I think is a film based around its movie star. Like like Spencer Tracy's a movie star. And everybody respected Spencer Tracy. So no matter what he did in this film, these guys were going to think he's the greatest actor in the world. And basically, he walked around like in a coma until the karate chop scene or the uh, judo, whatever he did. The judo. The judo. And I'm glad that I had some questions. Uh, Ernest Hemingway, according to Sturgis, had the same question I had about that whole scene where he creates a Molotov cocktail. And I just couldn't, again... I love the technical aspect of this film. I love the cinemascope. I love the way Sturgis talked about staging the actors within the frame and how they weren't used to widescreen and how do you shoot a close-up in widescreen? And, you know, he explained all that. I love that inside baseball stuff. But as the film is going, the mystery of the film, I know it's about him trying to search out his friend. Or not his friend. He's not his friend. It turns out it's his the father of the kid. But we don't hear that until maybe an hour and ten minutes into the film that this kid died in Italy and he has a medal for the father. That's the first time we heard about that, that MacGuffin, which was the medal and the whole, you know, we knew he was there as soon as he goes out to that place and sees the burned out thing. I had no idea that daisies grow. If you bury a body in the, the desert, that's the other thing when he picked yeah, those I little flowers. That. I don't know if that's true or not. And that's how he knew there was a dead body there because of the daisies he picked and the idea. Okay. Can we talk about the Jeep? That's a, what, what year is that Jeep? Did they make know. automatic stick Jeeps or was that a, was that a five speed Jeep? Yeah, I noticed, I noticed that. How the hell is a one arm man going to drive that yeah. Jeep? That's what I want to know. Okay. Number one, first question. How does a one arm guy drive a Jeep that he has to shift and drive at the same time in those backwoods and he's getting with crazy. his knees? Okay. Second question. How long? And he gets by. What's that? She she was like, do you need my help? And he's like, I can get by. Of course. So he's shifting it. I don't know how he's doing it, unless it's an automatic Jeep. And I may there may be a model Ralph, that's automatic. It's movie magic. Okay. I understand that. Now we get to the, the Molotov. The Molotov. Now, if Robert Ryan wants to kill this guy, and he wants to kill this guy, why wouldn't he have Ernest Borgnine up on the rocks and triangulate and shoot him that way? Instead of spending 20 minutes around this Jeep to give him time to make the Molotov cocktail that took forever. If you watch him, he's got to do all this stuff with the one arm. He's got to take his time. You didn't, like the, you didn't like the real time Molotov cocktail? <laughs> it's like, come on, just be done. Ernest Hemingway said the same thing to Sturgis. He goes, dude, you can't. That Molotov t- cocktail thing took too long. That guy would have come around. He would have been gone like that. Yeah, but so it's made a movie. it past the 80 minute mark with that. So. <laughs> but it's a movie for a movie star. And Spencer Tracy's a movie star. 
and they put him in this thing and he could do whatever he wanted. And, and, and I, I understand that's okay. That's why I watch Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is a movie star. I'm going to go watch him do a movie. I don't care. Are you comparing Tom Cruise to Spencer Tracy's? Spencer act- Tracy could never hang off the side of an airplane. But, but are I'll you tell comparing you their acting? Are you lumping them together with no, their I acting? Didn't think, I didn't think Spencer Tracy acted in this film. Oh, wow. Period. That's, that's what the acting is. Wow. I, I don't think he acted. He didn't react. He just kind of stared yeah. the whole time. Well, he I didn't think, have to do I mean, anything. He, he Listen, lived, I know that's his style. Look it. I'm not an actor, he, John, so I don't know what I know, it takes I know. to well, just stare at somebody while. story that Billy Wilder, that um, they were saying Billy Wilder and um, Jack Lemon. I think during Some Like It Hot, he, they would do a take and he'd pull Lemon aside and say, less, or at the apartment. And they do it again. And he'd pull him aside and go, less. And he pulled again third time. I said, less. He goes, if I do any less, I won't be acting. He goes, perfect. <laughs> Maybe that's the skill. Maybe that's yeah, the skill. But you guys, even Ernest Borgnine is the person who came up with him doing the the judo. Because Ernest Borgnine said, I'm a big guy. If I see right. a guy with one arm, I'm going to beat the crap out of this guy. We're going to have to come up with something else. And even even Spencer Tracy, you heard that in the, the thing, in the daily. Spencer Tracy goes, "I God, that guy's going to kill me. We got, He can't let Yeah, but then happen. what happened? They got a Marine a, guy yeah, to come in said, and that, say, that, if you karate chop him like that, you would have killed him. Okay, okay. And the other thing Sturgis did is what he, he uh, nailed, nailed the, the door. door shut. So when Berg and I went through it, he had to really get through it, and he wasn't ready for that. But that's the take that they I'm use. so glad you're enjoying my Criterion collection. That's awesome that you're using I am. It. That was amazing. So much. Uh, okay, so you know... So I understand that this is this is this film's wrapped around Spencer Tracy and the you, reverence uh, for him. You know, like you said, Ernest Borgnine calling him Mr. Tracy. Yeah, Sp- but it's it's John. It's- John, stop. Okay, stop. We still have to, I still have to talk about it as a film. And you guys are going to sit here and tell me that this is a the mystery in this film is so amazing it blew your mind. No, just, I, I, I want to know who said that. I want to know who said that's that. That's the feeling who, I'm getting. Who the said that? The feeling I'm getting is, oh, that mystery. No. It's wrapped in an enigma. No. It's amazing. You no, didn't know what he was doing. This movie is, uh, I think, this movie is uh, of its time, but also, I think, uh, in a relatable way. This is a movie about America and how America would like to be because the lead man is, uh, he's, he's unassuming. He projects strength. Uh, he has integrity. He doesn't um, need to give you anything if you bully him, but he also doesn't really care if you bully him because he's got a lot of confidence in that. And it's about uh, a whole town that has failed. They've failed on a basic level as a as a community. They failed on a basic level as people wow. alone and together. And so the movie is it's wrapped in these different genre things, but it's like you said earlier, it's, it's not quite a Western. It's not quite a, um, you know, what are they Neo Western or whatever, but it's, it feels very American. And like, that's the, to me, that's the theme of the movie is that, you know, that there is, there has to be some kind of um, civic responsibility in, in the community that you live in, whether it's this little town or it's our country or the world or any of that kind of stuff. And there is a real timelessness to that, that I, that's fine. I think as a nice. theme. Like that, I'll, I'll buy that. that. Res- not, yeah. Like high noon. I mean, that resonated not to mention, with me it's a lot pretty, more than the, the mystery. It's pretty progressive yeah. to be sitting yeah. there and, and talking about anti-Japanese, you know, sentiment. It, I, I mean, yeah, it is. I noticed as that early too. as they did that, right. That the, other, yeah. the other thing also that's progressive, he has one arm, 
I don't know if he's missing his arm completely or if his arm doesn't work or whatever, but there's really nothing in the movie. It's not about a man with one arm doing things that normally it would take two arms to. And that's, I mean, that's except that's everybody mentioned it. Everybody well, they mentioned it, it the because film. people, they mentioned it, but it, the, the movie itself didn't say, didn't say, look how impressed you should be with this hero because he only has one arm and he can still, you know, he can still do the things that people need normally two arms for, which reminded me when you have a character that's disabled, but that's not about them being disabled. That's like the character of Furiosa in Mad Max Fury Road, played by Charlize Theron, <laughs> where she okay. has one arm and that's, it is not that. it is not remarked on. It's just part yeah. of her as a person. Always, always get a circle back to. I don't blame you. I, I just, I just think, I think some of the movie is very modern, and it's it was interesting. I did not expect it to be um, to be quite that contemporary. But I can also see why I, you know Sturgis can say the movie is or isn't about whatever he wants. And I think once you put a movie out there, people are going to bring their own things to it and that's fine. But I could see how people might look at it and see a, uh, you know, parallel with McCarthyism and, and, and standing up against things that are wrong, especially when there's, uh, you know, you are the, you are the, the underdog, you are the small guy. It's all arrayed against you. And I mean, my God, in the business that they're in, the power of the blacklist and all these other things. I mean, it's, well, it's didn't not Walter a Brennan too. That's the other layer here. Walter Brennan, uh, was he, he, uh, was with the McCarthy trials. Like he, he called people out, which is why Spencer Tracy hated him so much. Yeah. So you got that level too in this thing. Yeah. They, they didn't get along on the set, according to the criterion collection, as you know, the, Oh, you don't want to talk about someone who named names for McCarthy. It was Peter Laurie. Because, but yep. the way he did it was when they, they called him and they wanted to know, have you met any suspicious people in Hollywood? He literally wrote down a list of every person he met in Los Angeles. <laughs> Well, there you go. Well, Walter Brennan definitely did that, and there's some no Walter Brennan of content. Was apparently a racist and an anti-Semite. No offense, you know, to people who enjoy. No it. offense to Walter no, Brennan. I don't get it. No offense to people who enjoy him as an actor. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, some, you know, you might like Walter Brennan, he, but he the uh, character. But as well, a, that's why we can't know anything about anybody. Otherwise, that's why it's right. best not to know anything. Um, but so okay, but I listen. I can still you, love on the waterfront, even though the director is a, a terrible, terrible person in that era. It doesn't mean that that movie isn't any less amazing. But I think it's important to. It's sort of like the Me yeah. Too movement today. It's sort of like how it's do you sort feel of like it? it's just like it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now this is the, a little like Witness, Harrison Ford and Witness. You know, the unsung hero walking around. Fighting evil. Did you guys expect me to like this? You knew I wasn't going to, right? No, wait, Ralph. In in your defense, I'm going to say this because I love the tension, I love the buildup, but I'm telling you, the problem was in the writing of this because they should have had a better um, MacGuffin. Um, you know, what was going to trap uh, Spencer Tracy there? You know, they should have had a better. <laughs> well, the twist was in the was middle of the, nowhere. There was nowhere for him to go. The, the, that the was twist the was that Aunt Francis was. Aunt given, Francis. She could have given a ride into another town. There was. She, I mean, they Aunt, took him the train to get there from Los Angeles. Aunt Francis was the femme fatale in this one. She's the. That's the one twist in the whole thing that came out of nowhere. Was she ended was, up? She was he, the boy. Right. She was the girlfriend. I think of Robert Ryan. Mm-hmm. But and, here's the stupid thing: the, the stupidity of Aunt Francis in what she did was basically, uh, you know, didn't, she didn't hold, hold up to be a, a good person. She was, oh, no one. yeah, she was setting him up to be killed. Yes. That was yeah. evil. 
you know, very much so. Well, and the brother was trying to help and her she ended brother, up turning on her brother too. Exactly. So well, he's trying to overcome what four or five years of cowardice exactly. and shame, which is yeah. what the sheriff was trying to deal with. I mean, that's, and that's the a huge part of the movie. How do you, yeah. the mortician, like how do yeah. you get past that to do the right thing? And the sheriff. Well, he was the doctor right. and a mortician. That's right. He was a veterinarian. He was a veterinarian. Goes to him, he wins either way. That's right. Always money oh, in there. Yeah, yeah I mean, so I, so I understand. I, I just, I walked away from this film, going, okay, it's about Spencer Tracy. This film's all about Spencer Tracy. Until uh, John, until I listened to Sturgis yeah. talk about the technique and his reasons for why he did what he did. But the yeah. reverence for Spencer Tracy was enveloping the whole thing. Ernest Borgnine, everybody was deferential to that guy because he was the movie star. That oh, wait, wait, that wait, thing they happen. were deferential behind the scenes, not in the movie. No, I'm, mean, I'm saying that. I'm saying I don't understand. he could do no wrong. No matter what he did, they were going to think he was, this, like you said, just looking down at his feet. Oh, it's an amazing thing that he did. And, and not reacting when, when Lee Marvin is doing his thing in the, the cowboy in the, in the, in the room. Yeah, um, but I mean, isn't that isn't that the point though? McCready's trying. He's he's keeping. I his, understand the point of his character. Close to his vest. I'm just know? saying. I'm he's saying. Not reacting. What? I'm saying. I understand that. I understand it. I understand why everybody looks at this. But I still believe that this is a Spencer Tracy film, and just like Sean saying, the great shot of him walking into the town with the black suit and the black hat. That's all you needed. That's Spencer Tracy doing that, and it's like, oh, it's Spencer Tracy. I don't know, but. Yeah, I, I disagree I, with that. Too. I, I, that's fine. Disagree all you want. I mean, you cannot like the movie. You cannot like the stuff, but it, it's not, you know, a Spencer Tracy star vehicle. That's not it. He's just brilliant in it. Like he usually brilliant. is when he does. You're movies. Use brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Well, he is like brilliant. Ralph. If you look at his career and look at his films and how many Academy Awards he's I, won. That's fine. But the guy's gave a away, brilliant it turns actor. out if Brennan got four and he got three, they gave away Academy no, Awards. No, he got like more candy. because he got one for uh, – he got another one after that. Okay, um, so four and four, whatever. They, they they gave him out like, you know, anybody got one. Like every point. year. <laughs> every that, year they got one. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, John, I don't – No, no, no. Sure that statement saying. about the Oscars is ridiculous. What? They, they just give him out. How did Brennan get four of those? He was the only he got, actor. He got Best Supporting yeah. Actor Awards. Uh, was he uh, the Spencer only Tracy one? Tracy got Best Actor Awards. Only one. I mean, there's only Spencer two Tracy guys. Tracy is a brilliant actor. And if you look at his – like I said, if you go through I'm his – I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not – And this movie – the fact that he, you know, while all the tension is building, he's he's trying to keep his cool with everything that's going on. And then that scene where he finally explodes, you're rooting for the guy. And it's like you let your breath out because no one knows what the hell's going on. That's the whole point of not doing the metal right away. They want to build up. What is this guy here for? That's what the town's trying to figure out. And then they trickle the it down. The town knew right away. Robert Ryan knew no, right away. No, they didn't away. know why he was there. They, they didn't know well, why he was there. Well, they figured out pretty quick that it's about the, the Japanese well, farmer. He, he, well, as soon as he said he was going to go out to that. Um, well, we didn't hear about the medal. Yeah. If, they, if he had just said, I want to give him a medal, maybe somebody would have helped more. But can he I never say, said that. Can I say something? Yes. Oh. Okay, you can. Okay, thanks. I think the most ridiculous scene in the whole movie was... At the very end, and Walter Brennan is begging uh, Spencer Tracy for the medal. For the medal. And I'm for thinking, the town. who for the, town. the heck cares? It means these- something. They're trying to rehabilitate well, the town. Right. That was for their guilt. They were trying to say, okay, I understood as a the reminder. Theme of the film. Okay, I got the theme of the film. Okay, no, no. I'm, t- I'm telling Debbie. What are you going to tell the young people in the town here? 
where there's like maybe two babies or something in, in the next 20 years. Cause it, well, they killed the only can one. Can I just finish? Can I just finish my point? Can I say my point? Here? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So, so here kids, here's a medal for our town because uh, here, here's what we did. We killed Kamiko. We killed this guy. Okay. For, for no reason other than we hated him. Well, they didn't no, kill him. They covered it up. And this is his son's medal. Okay. Now what kind of, what kind of truth, what kind of stupidity is that to hold up to some kind of good thing? That medal is a It's not a good thing. It's a reminder of the awful thing that they covered up. Yeah, it's their penance. Is, but, Taking the medal is their town's penance. But yeah. it does no good for the kids in the town. Well, <laughs> if, you, if you notice, there were no kids in the town. Yeah, and there so were the, there, and they're not going to be the 12 people that were there. They're we're no all part, part of the conspiracy. That town behind them, they're going to move out east. Well, it didn't look like anyone had been doing much for it. Doesn't look like they've been. Chris is getting frustrated. Chris, I want to hear you're getting frustrated. No, I'm. I'm just going to say this, Debbie. Is is that the yes? I mean, while the children of these people probably would have no actual guilt of the crimes that their parents covered up, um, there's a reason why we hang on to even we remember even the terrible things. You know, it's you know it's a lesson to the children to be a little bit more, you know, accepting of different people and to maybe temper one's anger, you know, because this is the terrible thing that we did in the past, you know, and now as the children, it's a reminder to them not, not to repeat those same mistakes. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's such a cliche about yeah, but there's know, a thing a child will mean to repeat that. history, but it's a, yeah. it's a cliche for a but reason. Didn't everybody go to jail. True. I mean, the doctor stayed, the sheriff stayed, right. The telegraph guy is going to jail, right. Cause he was, yeah. he was, so the, the, all of them get taken away, right? So how many people left in the town? About 10 people. That's what I said earlier. There were a bunch of people watching Ten. them get on the train. And I was like, where are these people hiding? Yeah. That's well, right. They did talk about police. You know that scene where Robert Ryan's talking to his posse up at the yeah. top of the train tracks? Yeah, yeah. Sturgis talked about how all the other people were watching them talk, but they didn't hear what they were saying because they knew that they were conspiratorial and they didn't want right. to get involved. Right. right. So they knew everybody, everybody in that town knew what was going on. That's why there's no mystery. The only it mystery was why is this guy, the mystery was why is this guy suddenly coming into town? But once they figure, as soon as he gets the Jeep and heads out to the Adobe Flats, they all know what he's there for. Well, and that's but they why I don't know who to- he is. Is he, is he a, a U.S. Marshal? Is he someone bent on revenge? Is someone looking to figure out something, right? They're trying, he's trying to daisies. solve something. Yeah. Well, they thought he was they're trying to solve the murder. Like they're, yeah. Trying and to- they're, they're right. They intuited right. it correctly. That, well, that wasn't his original intent. His original intent was to just give the medal. Then when he, right. when everyone's acting so spooky about Kamoko, now it's like, okay, now there's a mystery on top of right. it. Well, that wasn't there when he first got off the train. Yeah, and then the last line that. is brilliant. You know, uh, uh, was a lot of commotion here. Uh, yeah. we, uh, we, we, you know, this is the first time we stopped the train, and he says, "No, this is the second time you yeah, stopped the train." Yeah, I thought that was a great last line. Yeah, yeah, I because Sturgis said that's a great last line. Yeah. How does that a great last line? It, it is. is. It's a, well, I it's, thought it was a great last line. Oh, it's, guys, I thought it's it was so the easy. start of a beautiful friendship. And it was that's yeah, a good exactly. last line, and it was that's delivered so brilliantly line. by a great actor. Jesus wept. That's a great last line. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Convince me. You can't. Well, I, I don't think I can. I mean, if, yeah. if you think Spencer Tracy is not a good actor. I didn't say okay, he's not, not in a good this actor. role. He's I just said, staring in this at everybody. Role, I didn't see the acting in this role. Well, that's see- the point, isn't it? One week you complain about overacting. Now you're saying there was no acting. I'm to saying, me, he didn't, I'm saying that's what's so brilliant about his performance. Like it's so understated. Oh, my 
my God. Did you like Ernest Borgnine? I love Ernest Borgnine. Yes. I thought Ernest Borgnine was great. And how about and Lee, Lee Marvin? Marvin was great. Lee Marvin, of course. Slimey. You can't, you can't lose with him. Robert hey, Ryan dude. is a bit of a, you know, snidely whiplash cliche. Robert of a Ryan. Villain. Oh, with wow. the red hat and the deer on the deer wow. on the the deer on the thing. Well, and he wasn't okay. that smart when it came to the Molotov cocktail. He could have gone down there and gotten him quick. And he should have crossed Ernest Borgnine. Stern just talks about that in the commentary. He thought he was afraid it was going to go on too long. And Spencer Tracy said, no, "I'll get it done in thirty seconds. Don't worry uh, did about you, did it." Did you time that? Did you time no, that? But, but uh, Ralph, at that point, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about that. I was right. just thinking, how's he going to get but, out of this? But that's well, part of the point. Of, that's part of the point of the movie, though. Him? Right. Can I defend that last scene? I, yeah. I could understand the Robert Ryan character being cautious because he doesn't know what Spencer Tracy is capable of. You know, I mean, everyone thought he was just a cripple until he uh, beat, beats the crap out of Ernest Borgnine. And um, obviously they disable with help um, Lee Marvin. So for all he knows, this guy has a weapon and he's being cautious going down there. Of course, He's making the weapon while he's doing it, but I could see that. You know, what I what I've have a harder time understanding is his need to um kill um kill the girl. Well, he said it. Spencer Tracy said it. No witnesses. Yeah. That's because you have to go after the brother too. You know. Um and they have to kill them all. They have to kill the everybody. Molotov what? what, Chris? The Molotov I'm cocktail. Say one last thing. Yeah. Man, what a great stunt. When that Molotov cocktail explodes and just splatters that guy, yeah. I was like, I think that guy really got burned a little bit. I he mean, that like went he all up the side of his face and everything. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Um, I was like, what? A, I mean, I just remember being like kind of shocked a little bit at what a that, great. That was a stuntman, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what a great. Well, I like the technicality behind. They couldn't shoot day for night because flames right. don't show up. Number one, yeah. two, they had to time it right so it hit that rock. And they, of course, they had stuff all over them that would catch fire, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, have to. And they said the guy was rolling around screaming, "Like get this off me!" So yeah. I guess it worked. But it just—I I, want to say about about um, this idea that Robert Ryan wasn't smart enough, and he, you know, he could have done this. The whole point of him as a villain is that he's not smart or clever. He's a bully, and he has right. a whole bunch of bullies with him, and that worked for him to, you know, to burn uh, this farmer out. Because remember, he didn't even do it. Because I hate Japanese people because of Pearl Harbor. He did it because one of those Japanese people found water where there wasn't supposed to be water and he outsmarted me by, you know, me selling him something I didn't know what it was worth. Now he has to die. So it's very venal and it's not very clever to show up with, I don't even know what, six guys or something and, and kill someone. And Spencer Tracy doesn't even really outsmart these guys as much as just draw them out because they keep sticking their shit out at him and he keeps not reacting, which makes them angrier, which makes them even more foolish. So that's the one thing in the movie. I'm not surprised that he triumphed, even though there were a whole bunch of big, scary guys arrayed against him because, uh, you know, it, it reminded me of, uh, of the big country, which is, uh, you know, it's about a family feud between Charles Lawton's family and Burl Ives' family. And that's, you get this, it's generations or whatever. But what makes them really fight is water. Like there's a practical thing. And this guy, Robert Ryan felt like, uh, you know, I, I got screwed when all he did was sell some land and he didn't, he didn't keep what was on it. That's it. But that was enough for murder. And that's not very smart. You know, I'm not, he can't be surprised. He didn't get away with it forever. Right. Well, great. 
Robert Ryan was good. Good. Oh, I'm excited that I picked a movie nobody saw. Actually, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty cool because that almost never happens with this first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think though. I think I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you guys. You know, I change. I change formats every once in a while. I think I'm going to start. Uh, I might change the format that when your name gets called, I'm going to spin a wheel, and that's the that's the the genre of the movie you have to do. I'm getting a little frustrated by the film school aspect that this is taking. So I'm, I got to think about that. So just uh, so we'll just put a bunch of Pornhub categories. <laughs> if you guys have some ideas, let me know. But I'm thinking I might come up with another premise for this because, I, you know, part of it is, you know, I'm coming out of my comfort zone to see these things. You guys got to come out of your comfort zone. What are you talking we about? We, we, we are you kidding me? Though. Get I'm out of just, my comfort zone. John, I'm well, just saying, I might the change the format. The last five films, three of them were out of our comfort zone. What are you okay. and, and I just picked a movie nobody saw before. Yep. What the hell? Good. No, I'm not complaining. I enjoyed I enjoyed but, Stur just talking about this film, so I actually enjoyed it. But don't yell well, at me look, because I don't think Spencer no, Tracy. I'm yelling at you because you want to change the format because of two uh, classic movies that, 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 that you're you talking go. film That's school. That's exactly why I want to Nobody change saw film school. Wait, let me, let me say something to, to our viewers. Once they finish uh, subscribing and or, hey, the I like get button, just shutting off, maybe yeah. they'll Well, comment. after this show, they might not like it. They, but they might comment on, on uh, what uh, they think of Ralph's idea or if the show is uh, selections are too film schooly. Uh, and I think that we'll probably get another lively discussion going. And if it's really good, maybe somebody will get a hat. I don't know. Uh, we got to <laughs> get more hats. Got to get the merch. Patreon. Well, we got to get the Patreon I'll going. I'll tell you one thing, Ralph. That's why I like to talk about movies because I learn so much because, you know, this is movies are fascinating uh, parts of life and it, i know but ask your ask the guy sitting next to you what makes podcasts interesting sean what Begin, conflict there you go begins with a c right that's, that's right and that's what this is there's conflict between you <laughs> right and, and, and you gotta say you know you are bringing people out of out of their comfort zones with ninth configuration oh we're gonna bring that one film up you, you guys are crazy you didn't wow. think clue brought people out of their comfort zone I don't know. A hospital? How about no? That was me. How about? But I liked it. Wait, I'm wait, saying, but I liked it. That's not a comfort zone movie. The counselor. <laughs> uh, touche. I have nothing to say about that. Touche. <laughs> touche. I still love it. Uh, yeah. Movies are a metaphor for life. I understand. They are. I understand that. I just I have I don't have reverence for these old films like everybody does. Well, That's there's all. always something. I'm be- very glad I watched this. Because sorry. Baby, did I interrupt you? Of course. <laughs> oh, she just gave you the hairy eyeball. Why don't you make your point? And then I, we'll, what? Have some baklava. I was just thinking that, John. No, I'm very so glad good. I saw this movie because I've seen the beginning of it and I liked where it was going. But for some reason, I was never able to see the whole thing. Now, I, well, it's very I, long. I, so yeah, I, mm. like this, I like watching the movie. But as far as the movie uh, is concerned... It has a lot of problems, and the biggest problem that I have it it doesn't solve the movie doesn't solve the big problem. Racism? No, it didn't make any sense why he was stuck in that town. He could have got he could have got out of there. How? Walk. That's the right. Next town. The next town was um, thirty two miles the away. The writer. He's got. He had to figure it out. Well, apparently, I was. Right. I've been reading the background. The original script was apparently much worse. And Spencer Tracy read the script and said, I'm not going to do it. That he didn't feel there was enough story there. 
But and it was originally Richard Brooks who I think called the script, the original script, a piece of shit. And I could concur. And and Sturgis saw the possibility and worked on the script with the writer and got something that I read. Well, the original things. script was he was a detective searching for the metal fa- metal winner's father. That was the original premise. And then uh, uh, Spencer Tracy didn't want to do it. And they said, well, we're going to give it to Alan Ladd. And once he heard that, he went for it. But they also created the arm thing just for Spencer Tracy to get him to do it because every actor likes to play somebody disabled. That wasn't in the original. That, did you hear that they wanted him to, as the trains rolling away, he was going to wave with that hand? That yeah. Would have been well, crazy. as a joke in the preview to the producers, he was going to, with his dead arm. They actually that, filmed the me, scene. What, the fascinating- they, had, they filmed the scene where he had a dead arm, and they showed him cleaning his nails. Yeah. And they said, it's Sturges, like, we don't need this. The fascinating thing to me was that the, the amount of stuff they had to do to just have that train go through there, because the tracks weren't designed for that right. heavy train. Yeah. And, and and all that the stuff around and that the helicopter shot that the, they shot it backwards so the right. helicopter could go track with it and all that. So yeah. I mean, like I said, the background of that movie is fascinating in the in the the the, uh, the the aesthetic of the widescreen and him deciding how he frames and you know when he shoots which way. And how about all, that. all this time he spent on cutting? He talked about cutting. Yeah. I thought you might you must have loved that. Yeah, he you kept know, talking about that. Well, I said, love that's that he how took, movies I are made. He took his editor, he stole his editor from MGM, paid him three times Triple to, to work with him. Triple the yeah. salary. He's worth it. All right. I'm going to say yippee ki meh. Okay. Like I said, uh, the movie's okay. I love the I love Sturgis talking about the film way more than I love the film. So, And I know you guys are probably all yippee ki Whoa, Spencer Tracy. Well, I'm a yippee ki way. I'm a yippee ki Yay. I love this film. I love the tension. I loved everything, but it was not satisfying because of the MacGuffin. I give it a meh. Oh. Okay. I'm strong thumbs up on it. Stop. Chris, Drew? I'm yippee Kaye. Yeah. Yeah. Drew? Yeah, yeah, nice. All right. Yeah, good, good job. Film. All right. I have, I'm still pondering this new format. I got to figure out something. But until then, we'll stick with what we got right now. And then there were two. Then there were, there were two. two. Here we go. Well, there you go. We ought to get something out of our comfort zone. I can make you very uncomfortable <laughs> if you want, but... I'll uh, I'll come up with something good. I've narrowed my list of movies that I would bring to you guys down to only sixty four. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say forty, but <laughs> no, it was. I mean, it was like hundred and thirty seven. But funny. I took some of the movie strange, and I said oh, this isn't really for them. And but you know, the other problem is they they keep making movies, so I can't promise you the list will make get down that much. But I will I will let you know what we're going to watch for next week. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Let us know soon. Um, all I right, will. everybody. Uh, that's always fun. Ralph, Conflict I got an, I got a comment from somebody who wants to know: or is any uh, YKY merch available for public uh, purchasing? Yeah, tell them yes. Okay, take their, take their money, and then we'll figure. All right, it out. I'll let them know. How much are the hats? The hats are twenty dollars. Twenty-two dollars. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, got right, a little mark up there, Ralphie? Huh? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, have a good week. Mm-hmm. See you guys next week for Drew's film. Then Debbie, you're after that. And then new format, maybe. I don't know. What's that? I'm the last one. We're saving the we best for last, We saved the best for Debbie. last, exactly. The best for last. Hubba hubba. Baby, I was your last one. Oh, God. That's what she told you. <laughs> yeah, All right. You're right. That is what she told me. All right. Everybody be safe. Have a good week. All right. I want to be Spencer Tracy. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. See you next week, everybody. See you, guys. Have fun.